Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of the VC Pranav podcast, a podcast that provides a unique perspective of the startup world through the lens of venture capitalists and entrepreneurs. I am your host Dijay and today I have with me Mikhil Inani, managing director and CEO at Apollo Finvest, a publicly listed NBFC which is currently building the AWS for lending and enabling fintechs to offer digital loans in less than 48 hours. Prior to Apollo Finvest, Mikhil co-founded Farmeasy, a well-known online medicine delivery startup, and headed consumer products and growth at Hotstar, which is India's largest OTT platform. In this episode, Mikhil talks about his experience of building products from scratch to scale across different startups, cultivating a strong team culture at early stages of a startup, defining and measuring growth when scaling up, and how he is building the AWS for lending at his latest venture, Apollo Finvest. I had a great time talking to Mikhil and had a lot of takeaways from a conversation on all things startups, growth and culture. So without much ado, let's jump into the conversation to find out what Mikhil has to share. Welcome Mikhil. Nice to have you on the VC Pranav podcast. Welcome to the show. Uh, pleasure. Pleasure is mine to be here. Great. Uh, Mikhil, so, you know, you had an incredible ride walking across different domains. You started off with a deals marketplace at Coupon Dunya, an online pharmacy with PharmEasy, an OTT platform at Hotstar. And now you are in fintech with Apollo Finvest. So that's a lot of variety and experience uh, in the journey already. So maybe we can start with, you know, a brief background about yourself and help us connect the dots. And while you do that, you know, tell us when and how did you realize that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Awesome. You know, great question. So, you know, the journey basically started in roughly 2011, right? So I completed my master's from Carnegie Mellon University. Even when I went there, right, I was very, very keen to, you know, come back and see where I can make a contribution, you know, in the Indian startup space. Right? And this is very, very early days, right? Today, obviously, startups are, you know, mainstream in many ways where everybody's at least heard of a concept like that, right? Like, but back in 2010, 2011, this wasn't really a thing. Last two decades have been fantastic for US. I felt like the time was right for India to also participate in something like this. And, you know, when I came back to India, I was very, very fortunate where, you know, I ended up meeting you know, really amazing people throughout my last 10 years. And I think that's really been one of the things where I've got very lucky. People who were so encouraging and, you know, uh, guided me throughout the last 10 years here in the ecosystem. So obviously, I started off with meeting Samir, you know, who was the founder at Coupon Dunya and very unorthodox uh, company from the startups perspective. I remember yet when I was joining, you know, it is not VC funded. I remember the rest of my family basically telling me that, are you sure you're going to join Coupon Dunya? And back then, you know, if you do go to internet.org, right, and you just see all the old screenshots of Coupon Dunya back then. It really looked like in one line, like a college project gone bad, right? Uh, like it probably get a C or a D, you know, uh, in terms of grading. But I actually discovered Coupon Dunya when I was actually ordering, you know, Domino's. And I was just searching for Domino's coupons, uh, you know, on the internet. And I saw this thing pop up and I felt like that's pretty cool. And next thing you know, like I found, you know, Coupon Dunya on AngelList. I connected with Samir and, you know, we just basically got talking. And I was like, I think the fourth employee or so to join Coupon Dunya fairly early. And, you know, that was an amazing ride, right? Like, I mean, we didn't get VC funded totally, you know, bootstrapped by Samir. But, you know, my first real venture in trying to understand what it takes to build a company. And I always, you know, recommend this, right? You know, if you're, if you're interested in startups, Try and find a founder who you really respect, who you kind of get along with. And it's kind of like a risk-hedged way of learning about startups without being a startup founder yourself. Because, you know, that's a super hard journey. But if you're in an early stage company, 
you get to kind of obviously experience that pressure without ultimately everything not being on you right and that's what i got to see at coupon dunia right obviously you know coupon dunia got acquired by times internet and after that you know i wanted to take a lot of my learnings and take them into my own startup and that's where like farmeasy happened a lot of the magic at farmeasy really came from you know if i'm being honest a lot of the teams that we built at coupon dunia right so in fact within the first 10 employees at farmeasy i think at least you know 30 to 40% of them were just you know coupon dunia folks so if i was employee number 5 at coupon dunia or 4 actually employee number 5 6 7 and 8 actually joined us day zero at farmeasy it's like having a secret weapon you know when you're doing a startup because the chemistry was just electrifying right like i mean we used to build stuff at speed which you know probably like another startup would take two months to build we used to do it in a week uh, and it's not because you know we were just amazing individuals it was just that you know you have that level of chemistry it's almost like you're doing another project rather than another company right it just felt like that obviously farmeasy was like a you know rocket ship i think couple of years there again we solved a real massive problem there you know when we started there a lot of people questioned us both from a regulatory perspective and even like fundamentally when we started everybody was asking us questions that you know who's going to order medicines online when you're sick you want medicines now and very honestly when we started we had our own doubts that is this going to make sense we basically started by just launching an app which was two pages right the first page basically said just take a photo of your prescription and the second page had you know just enter your phone number this was it right i mean two pages we didn't even take the address or name of the customer imagine and literally what we used to do is people used to place orders we used to export that into an excel sheet wow. and okay. you know my other co-founders used to just basically call up customers take their details in terms of address etc literally physically go to a pharmacy pick up the medicines and deliver it and that's how we kind of started and uh, i would say spammed everybody you know on whatsapp right like literally i think there were 10 people in the company at that point in time probably four of them were interns right that we hired from you know mba colleges and we literally told everybody that you know let's just amongst the people that we know and all of us right. have like 200 people odd you know on our on our phones amongst the 10 of us i think we can at least let 2000 people know that something like this exists and then let's see you know is there a market for this and i think within a month or so we were doing and clocking close to like 10 to 15 odd orders a day right and i know that sounds like insignificant but a month down the line that felt like crazy rush you invented something out of nothing and you know we just started seeing obviously there was a huge demand of chronic illnesses so people who had you know high blood pressure diabetes things like that obviously it seems very intuitive now but people who had fever cold cough none of them i mean a very small percentage of them ended up ordering on our side yeah uh, and that kind of gave us focus and you know the rest is kind of history we super focused on like you know repetitive customers focused on lifetime value of customers and really optimized for that channel two years down the line you know fast track everything raised like hundreds of millions of dollars created a category creating company in many ways and you know that time i was kind of feeling the itch of wanting to do something you know i would say larger in the sense of just scale and that's when i got an opportunity where you know hotstar came calling and during that time you know hotstar was just very very early right in terms of building that tech product team i think when i joined it probably had close to you know 10 or people in their in the tech product team not a lot of people know this but initially hotstar's tech and product was completely outsourced by the way to accenture right and you know even back then you know we were serving about 7 million monthly active users and there were such times that i felt even 7 million monthly active users is is large right 
and of course you know forward into the future you know hotstar today serves like i think 350 million uh, so i think in two years we just i mean the kind of growth scale technology challenges you know everything that i got to see is i would say like you know enough for a lifetime right it, it was just insane especially for a person to come in from a you know relatively early stage companies which were nowhere close to that scale right like i mean coupon dunia farmisi of course amazing companies in their own right but just raw engineering scale you know i don't think there are many companies in india who compete with hotstar on on that front of course you know hotstar got acquired by disney you know that's when my entrepreneur which really started acting up and you know this is one lesson that i've learned i think once you're an entrepreneur and if you've been there for a while you know it's like kind of a bug with you that it's very difficult to get i don't think it's possible in a way many ways to get rid of right i think you may do different things in the middle but you will always you know have that itch that i want to do my own thing it's something that i've just basically you know discovered you know even though i was super duper happy at hotstar and pretty much seeing the best stuff you can see right uh, in terms of scale in terms of just challenges and you know the kind of product you're building you know you just want to build your own thing in the end of the day right uh, once you've experienced that yeah and you know, we'll talk about apollo finvest for sure uh, you know later in the podcast there's a lot of things that i want to pick on you know uh, through this journey that you elaborated so you've been a two time founder one with apollo finvest and with farmeasy and early team at you know a couple of startups so you know you were constantly in the situation where you are shouldering some you know additional responsibility and taking ownership of uh, whatever was asked of you so tell us you know how has this dynamic shaped your personality that that you have today it's let's let's put it this way right like i mean when you join an early stage company you know it's like doing a phd in that domain on a fast track right like you have to be very very quick at learning because you know all startups are just right. mini experiments and you're just iterating 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 and the only probably consistent thing is the large you know is the domain that you're probably in so yeah i mean one thing which i would say that a big big thing which is which is the impact over so many years right is essentially that ability to iterate very quickly uh, and try to figure out what is it that your customers really really want you know and having a maniacal focus on on that right on knowing truly when you have product market fit you know that's something which is you know you can gain a lot by working right. in early stage ventures right because you just then have an eye of knowing what works and what doesn't correct so you know if you had to uh, convince someone to work at a startup you know what what are the reasons that you would tell them to join a startup for their own personal growth so i think very honestly like you know here's the thing right and and this is something which i found out you know in the last 10 years right? everybody has different aspirations in life right like uh, certain people as an example you know the meaning of life to them is you know a quality life and spending a lot of time with your family and you know that's that's success right you know for certain people you know they really are over indexed on career right like where they they have certain aspirations they want to see themselves somewhere and there are various ways to reach there right like obviously you can work in large companies and you know really scale up your way to go wherever you want to go but i think you know one of the biggest advantages of working in an early stage company is that if you have aspirations of either being a founder yourself at one point in time or you know you're really passionate about a specific domain and you want to fast track your career in that specific space it's a great you know great way to do it because ultimately you know of course with anything in life the minute you try to fast track something it's a risk but the biggest lesson i would take away is that you know whenever you want to join a startup over index on the founders that you're going to be working with and the team that you're going to be working with right because honestly that's the only two things within your control you know the investments are not in your control you know pretty much you know whether the startup is going to live die whatever highly it's uncertain it's not absolute 
highly uncertain right the only thing you can guarantee is that you know you end up working with consistently amazing people but if you do find fantastic people to work with it's beautiful right because you know you will wake up every day in the morning pumped up to work with the kind of people that you know you're on the same wavelength with and there's nothing more exciting than that right and you know while you were describing your journey you mentioned at farm easy you had this electric uh, chemistry between the early team so you know what do you think gives birth to that culture and what do you think is important to build a chemistry like that especially at an early stage of a startup so i think two things right one is culture basically comes from the top right and what i mean by that is entrepreneurs have to be extremely thoughtful in terms of you know who they hire who they take money from you know every single thing right because essentially you know like it's a very cliched line but basically culture is you know what happens in your company when you're not looking right and if you end up hiring people that you kind of have fundamental beliefs with when it comes to their own values you know their values and your values match that's how you're setting up the culture in the company right and you know what's the best thing about that is that you know you don't have to keep doing this consistently right if you basically make sure that you know you have hired certain set of people with which you know you culturally match and you know there's a good wavelength match they kind of become you know the protectors of that culture right so they will keep hiring amazing people who match that culture by default but it's kind of a you know there's a negative connotation to that also that if you don't pay attention to hiring you know you'll end up hiring bozos and those bozos will hire more bozos right so it's like you know very common theme right where you see in startups that you know founders kind of let themselves go and hire kind of b players those b players will hire c players and c players will hire d players and you know the, the vicious cycle kind of goes on until your startup is filled with people you know who are mediocre and you kind of fail you know one of the things i really credit you know kupon dunia with is making me understand the meaning of culture right and you know till then of course you read in many books how important it is to have you know culture and you know it just feels like blood you know unless you actually experience it but that was like game changing right uh, samir always had the ability to you know put together like an a plus team you know which served everybody really well so i mean for us as an example like i mean i really feel it's important that even from a ability perspective startups you're supposed to hire for you know potential especially at early stages because that's what you can afford you know you are called a startup for a reason you're not apple that you can always end up hiring the best in the room but you can always end up hiring people with highest amount of potential because you can attract them to work with you and you're really the brand name that you're selling right you have nothing else to sell your company is nobody so when you get the right people to work with you and they're young enough you know to get molded plus they're passionate enough and you know their core fundamental values match with yours that is a brilliant cycle to get into right so culturally i think that's the only way to kind of get it right so you know a lot of what i'm hearing is you know you have to identify the right people to work with uh, you know more than anything else so mikel tell us uh, you know if you were to hire someone today let's assume it's a early stage startup uh, and uh, you're reassembling a team you know first 10 employees you know what are some basic questions that they that you ask them and what are you looking for are you looking for you know skill sets or are you looking for passion enthusiasm uh, how do you balance those two traits so you know i basically there would look for essentially an x factor and you know what i mean by an x factor is you know when you want to work in an early stage company this early right like first 10 people you want to be sure that this person is going to be okay with an extremely rocky ride correct right because you know everybody fantasizes and you know romanticizes startups but actually they are hella scary right and hella traumatizing and to the point where you know you really have to be there in it for the love of the game than anything else because you know there are much easier ways to make money in life right so 
what i really look for is people who've demonstrated you know some kind of x factor in the past right where they've done something offbeat just because they were passionate about something right and i can give you examples right so you know say if you know we're hiring somebody and you know that person is super passionate about traveling and right after you know maybe whatever their education they started their own you know mini travel company where they used to go on their own adventures and take other people along now that's something which you know there are thousands of people who are passionate about traveling but you know how many people actually bothered to do this you know something like this right you know different right you know there are two kinds of people right one is who pretend to be curious and second who actually you know take actions right so i just want to see people who have had you know some kind of passion in the past and how they've acted on those passions and i'm really not judging for success or failure right because you know the chances that you would have failed are incredibly high but one thing i am looking for is people who've tried right because if you've tried you know out of 1000 people only you know probably 2% people try and that's all you can basically ask for right and then i really over index on you know what their journey was like you know what are some of their learnings and when you ask people about these unorthodox things that they've done in their life the learnings that they have from that are so amazing and they hold you in good stead so when you're joining an early stage company one of the you know atmospheric things which are there is just this everything is in the air right everything is unstructured and you know we want to get in people who are comfortable where things are ambiguous things are not straight forward you're okay with that level of chaos in many ways right though i do have a contradictory theory that you know all startups are you know not chaotic and in fact like most startups should not be chaotic because within that chaos you should have a very you know structured approach of how to do what you're doing uh, it can be chaotic from a very very macro level perspective but execution has to be extremely you know military level uh, you know uh, sharp but that's what we really look for right people with that x factor people who are comfortable with being in a situation which is not well defined all right makes sense so uh, mikhil i want to you know talk about uh, the hotstar journey now and i have a question related to that so you've led growth teams and scaled them at hotstar especially uh, so you've gone through this process where i believe now you would have your own framework and perspective of you know thinking about growth so tell us you know what's the first principles approach you know of managing and achieving growth be it any business and what are the key levers that you try to pull uh, to drive growth at at a particular company absolutely i mean you know the answer to that is actually fairly simple the first thing that we did at hotstar and this is actually something that i've been doing you know pretty much since farmisi days right even today is that first thing about growth is you know you need to identify the kpi which reflects that growth and it should be you know communicated to the entire company that what is the metric that we are all chasing right and this can't be two or three numbers i've seen this in a lot of companies where you know growth is everybody talks growth but nobody really knows what are we growing right there can be three four kpis and people say you know this is up by 10% this is up by 5% it's all muddled up right i think it's very important to well define growth and have one kpi which is well communicated in the entire company when you have that one kpi and this kpi doesn't have to be there forever right it can be there for one quarter it can be there for two months it can be you know it should be there for enough of a time so that you can know how you know what was the number when it started and what was the number you ended up on and there's a meaningful difference right so first things first define growth and have one kpi which kind of monitors this and make it very very easy for everybody in the company to have access to that kpi and monitor it second is that everybody in the company needs to be doing tasks and focused towards moving that number in a positive direction right you know especially at a company like hotstar or you know even at a early stage company right 
teams tend to when they evolve right they have their own internal drivers right everybody will want to push some other metric because it helps them succeed in some way or they think mentally this is what our kpi is so screw your kpi we are going to chase this right and that's actually one of the biggest problems you can end up having you know definitely in a very large company like a hotstar but you know it's equally a problem when it comes to early stage startups because you have limited resources and if you try to chase multiple things in different different teams you are basically wasting time and money which is all precious to you because every day you're you know killing your own runway right so once this is communicated to all people in the company right they all need to be doing tasks and you know every single person is working on actions which will move that kpi in a positive direction and all managers need to be aligned on this this is very very important because what happens in large companies right there are 10 product managers there are 50 senior vice presidents etc right who have all their own agendas right but what really kind of galvanizes everybody is telling them that you know this is the metric in which we are going to be judging what is actually getting built versus what's not getting built and when you have that defined and everybody's on the same page you know it breeds clarity right and then you see the magic actually happen you know the third important thing about growth is that every two weeks make the key people who are actually you know like product managers as an example kind of constantly infuse information in the company as to how that number is moving as an example we used to do demo days at hotstar demo days at you know farm easy where everybody kind of demonstrated you know what is it that they are doing whether it's operations whether it is you know tech product whatever design and everybody talked about it in the following manner right what they did who was it targeted for what impact did it have on the key kpi that you're chasing and this creates the kind of pressure in the company which is the perfect pressure because now everybody knows that in the demo day you know nobody wants to talk about some ambiguous stuff that they did which did not move the kpi in the positive direction so it galvanizes people from the bottom up also because even if their manager right for whatever internal reason he may have tries to make them you know do some task which may not have an impact on the growth number the guy will be like wait i don't want to be talking about this you know in the demo so are you sure i want to spend my time on this and he'll escalate it right saying that is this truly important correct so honestly this is the most important thing and the simplest thing to get right in your company just breathe clarity about what is that kpi you're chasing and ensure the entire company is chasing that you do this and you see the magic happens so mikhil has there been an experience where you know you think that the kpi you have defined is not the right kpi and you had to change have you experienced that and you know tell us the approach that you went about you know managing that oh 100% uh we've seen situations where you know we defined kpis which we thought were the right kpis and would lead to you know eventually what we were trying to gain and sometimes it happened that a month down the line you kind of realize you know that there is something wrong with it because it's not having the net effect that you actually thought it would have or you know there is uh, there is some kind of external factor which has come in which changes the game and you know you need to make some kind of changes like maybe there are regulatory changes or some kind of tailwind uh, effect happening in the industry which you need to kind of maneuver for right correct so obviously you have those things and there are two ways you know you can tackle this right one is you know where you just feel like fundamentally the kpi is wrong the smartest thing there to do is just acknowledge it immediately and again come up with a clear kpi you don't want to leave people again in an ambiguous situation where okay if this is not the kpi what is the kpi you always want to have a kpi which everybody knows that okay this is what you're chasing right and this is for the macro level instance that you re- realize the kpi itself is wrong you know another situation which would happen is that it's a more short term thing right where you realize that okay 
because of some external factor you know we need to change our priorities and maybe over the next one month build for something else right during that time you can probably time out a kpi and have a very separate i would say almost like a mini project which is a very targeted project that you kind of you know focus your energy towards getting that right then once that mini project is done you know you obviously continue with your original kpi and you know make whatever duration adjustments you want to by extending maybe the quarter by another month or whatever you want to but largely this is how you kind of deal with you know kind of changes which are common right i think that's that's really insightful michael i mean a lot to take away for the listeners in terms of you know managing growth and you know clarity in terms of defining the north star uh, i want to switch gears here and talk about your current venture which is apollo finvest and before we get into the weeds of it if you could tell us you know what led you to quit hotstar yeah uh, and start apollo finvest and what was your thought process because you again you're getting into a new domain you know fintech was probably new for you at that time uh, i think you know when i was at hotstar basically you know we were at a point where i had done in many ways what i had come in to do where you know accentures the entire legacy software you know platform apps everything right we had completely rewritten everything and you know we were on the brand new platform that we kind of created uh you know i was successful enough to build you know the entire product engineering team from the ground up across you know bombay bangalore so it was quite fulfilling you know in terms of uh, the experience over there and of course when disney came in to acquire hotstar again it felt like you know a huge milestone in the company's journey and at the same point in time if i'm being honest right it's just the entrepreneurial itch was acting up and you know i really wanted to go back to you know building my own journey and you know like i said earlier as well i feel you know for entrepreneurs this is this is so true right i think once you kind of do your own thing there's always an urge and a this kind of need or want at least to you know go back and do your own thing cuz it's a different kind of you know fulfillment that it gives you and in terms of fintech right so essentially you know the way i really thought about this right and it was really the amalgamation of a lot of learnings that i had over the last i think 5 6 years right is that when i was at farm easy as an example right one of the big problems which saw first hand was that you know on one hand of course you know farmeasy was hugely successful you know we were raising millions of dollars of funding but one of the biggest problems that we consistently saw right was that our pharmacies and you know our partner pharmacies right they were struggling for working capital so much so that you know they used to not get working capital loans of even like 5 10 lakh rupees from traditional lenders or nbfcs or banks right and i'm talking about guys who went from earning say 25 30 000 rupees a month profit to about you know 2 to 3 lakh rupees profit a month and the feedback we used to constantly get is that traditional lenders did not really take money that they made from quote unquote internet platforms into account when thinking about the working capital loan that they wanted to give them which just felt absurd because you know i maybe i'm just biased but i felt like you know farmeasy had raised like you know significant amount of capital like 100 million odd dollars and to not consider that platform to be stable enough to take the revenues to some degree at least into account right felt a bit odd and you know i just felt like that problem would exist for all msmes and companies which are building on top of you know internet platforms whether it came to amazon flipkart uber ola you know zomato uh, swiggy there are so many things which are now being built on top of internet companies that you know uh, having that attitude that we will not basically take you know revenues that you make from internet platforms you know felt a bit odd uh, then second of course at hotstar you know primarily a good bunch of our revenue right came from ads right and that made us analyze you know our demographic very very closely and few stats which came in front of me right which was very very non obvious to me at that point in time about 1.2 billion people in india only 100 million people are actually available on the credit bureaus and have access to formal you know credit you know to me it just felt like 
you know something's fundamentally broken here right we can't be in a country where access to credit is just maintained for you know 5 or 10% of the population and the remaining people have to either get zero access to credit or you know get stuck into debt traps which come you know with informal lending you know i i thought like there's fundamental you know two ways in which to solve the problem right one is you start your own fintech and you know you obviously start doing your own lending and you serve how many ever customers you can through digital means but you know one of the things which i learned at whatsapp right is the power of creating powerful you know platforms and that's where really you know after speaking to almost 25 to 30 or fintechs uh, and founders initially before starting up at apollo i kind of learned from them that you know the biggest thing which was mi- missing in the ecosystem was that there wasn't any good underlying nbfc which was technologically savvy which was there for fintechs to collaborate with and you know start their digital lending journey right so all of them were fairly comfortable in terms of you know attracting customers and borrowers right because they were like hey we're distributing money target market is just not the problem right we have tremendous demand the problem that we have is that you know we're not able to collaborate with any nbfc cuz you know the tech is horrible it takes 6 8 months to integrate with them plus when it comes to credit underwriting we just are not able to do anything innovative or create even you know innovative products which actually solve the end users problem right the problem really that we saw before we started apollo was that even fintechs were actually being restricted to solving or serving the same 100 million people before who had access to you know financial services in the past so it wasn't really expanding the market in many ways right it was just like you know they just served as technology outsourced arms for traditional lenders right which from a fundamental industry standpoint it wasn't moving the needle right so that's where you know i decided to build apollo finvest and apollo finvest in one line is basically the aws for fintechs we basically created the nbfc and technology you know lending platform which i would love to have if i was an entrepreneur right and our mission today is basically lowering the barriers of entry for any company in india to start offering digital loans you know towards ecosystem right whether they're their customers whether they're their merchants right because fundamentally you know we think that over the next 10 years every single company right which has transactions happening inside it is going to have a financial services arm because of the fact that they have you know they are a so close to the customer they understand their needs so intimately plus they are primely positioned from a data perspective of being able to underwrite the customer better than any other traditional lender can they will be able to produce you know custom products which serve the financial requirements you know of their ecosystem the best right and the kind of user experiences that they'll be able to offer because they already have this massive distribution will be you know uh, second to none and truly when you think about you know india's credit layer right it can only spread significantly wider if there are multiple distributors of this financial services right because ultimately there is a reason why you know the remaining 90 95% of you know india doesn't have access to formal credit because formal credit has to be given in the form of sachet loans right what people really require is small ticket size loans which only make unit economic sense if they are delivered 100% digitally like the branch model just does not work correct right yep uh and as you can see with the balance sheet of you know any of the traditional lenders out there they're struggling with maintaining branches especially in remote parts and you know tier 2 tier 3 forms of india right it's just not possible to cover the large spectrum of india so this is where you know apollo finvest really came in so in one line you know the way to think about apollo is it's a full stop shop right like in terms of digital lending so right from you know the nbfc license compliance and regulation 
know, to the backend technology infrastructure that you need to run your entire digital lending operation for the capital needed to scale up your lending. All these three pillars that we end up offering fintechs that we kind of work with. And, you know, today we're fortunate to work with the likes of Flipkart, you know, Tala, Avail Finance, MoneyTap, you know, Razorpay, bunch of guys, right? Instamojo. So, you know, we love working with them because, you know, every day we get to work on interesting problems and innovative solutions that all of these entrepreneurs keep building, right? And it's just a privilege to, you know, be here and, you know, kind of be in the balcony seat in many ways and have the best seat in the house in terms of watching and participating in, you know, the amazing FilTech uh, journey. Yeah. No, absolutely. And one last question, Mikhil, before we get into the rapid fire, you know, what's your vision for Apollo Finvest in the next five years? You know, where do you see uh, this company going and broadly the ecosystem as well? You know, to answer that question, you know, we continue with our mission, right? And our mission is, you know, we want to lower the barriers of entry for any company in India to start doing digital lending and really contribute in a meaningful manner towards credit being omnipresent in the country, right? we ourselves will continue creating more and more tools which will be not necessarily always connected to the Apollo Finvest ecosystem. So we are working towards a more modular future where a lot of the tools that we have created internally, which you know today we are sharing with you know fintechs that we work with very, very closely and we are working towards productionizing a lot of this and being available for the rest of the community. You know, essentially our goal is that first, we obviously made it very, very simple to get going on the Apollo Finvest platform. Now, the next goal is irrespective of which platform you're on, right? Apollo Finvest's technology platform will be available to everybody to use, you know, even in the form of Lego blocks, so that ultimately you pick and choose the best components which are out there so that, you know, how much can we prevent reinventing of the wheel and just create almost like a basic level standard where everybody, when they start digital lending, they have certain level of tools available right out of the box and then increase their attention towards actually the needle moving or the IP creating stuff. And once this happens, right, you know, it's going to be as powerful as AWS, right? And I keep saying AWS because that was truly a magical thing which happened, right? Like once AWS came out today, if you want to start like a website or an app within, you know, 15 minutes with a credit card and a laptop, it's on. Absolutely. And that's what we're really chasing in terms of, you know, what we want the Apollo Finvest platform to be over the next five years. Great. I think that's a great summary, Mikhail. I want to start off with a rapid fire questions now. I'll share some questions and, you know, hope to get your honest opinions on the same. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. One topic or sector that you don't understand yet that you wish you understood better? Uh, I mean, hand to heart, I would say gaming. I mean, you know, something which I was really passionate about when I was very young and I used to, I mean, by passionate, I would say I would, you know, just game like a crazy person. Uh, But over the last many, many years, right, probably three to five years, I've just completely lost touch. And I think, you know, games, at least from whatever I see and hear, right, games have evolved to a whole different, like, you know, planet. And there are a lot of, you know, interesting things to learn, you know, from gaming in terms of strategy, in terms of how to create engaging products. And that's something which, you know, now I'm trying to find time for and, you know, really immerse myself to see what I can, you know, learn and just have, you know, varied experiences. One thing that you would like to change to improve the state of the Indian startup ecosystem? I would love to see companies, you know, truly innovating rather than building stuff which is repetitive stuff. And this goes across companies which are large or, you know, these are companies which are even small. Like I see a lot of announcements and, you know, a lot of energy people throw around on stuff, which unfortunately, you know, already somebody else has sold in a very, very good way. Right. 
so net net it just feels like you know maybe competition increases but i would love for people to truly solve something you know or go for something which has not yet been solved in a meaningful way right and that's something we see a lot in silicon valley you know yet to be mainstream in india where you see a startup coming out of nowhere and you know getting heavily funded to solve a problem which you know really there is no other answer to so far which is good enough what's your definition of success i think you know the easiest way to define success is happiness right like ultimately whatever makes you happy you know you need to chase that right whether it's you know being successful in your career whether it's you know having a fantastic family life whatever right like i mean it's really like extremely personal but to me the definition of success is is happiness and you know is being content and you know just enjoying the journey right as long as you wake up every day and you're excited about the next day and you know you have a smile on your face i think you are successful external accolades and you know adulation is it's all temporary right like people may love you today and you know hate you tomorrow but ultimately you know you need to be able to be content and happy that's why happiness is always you know the right indicator for success people from the startup ecosystem that you look up to and that inspire you you know i i will talk about maybe mix of you know companies and people right so i would say in the indian ecosystem i specifically i really admire uh, razorbay and you know how they've gone about and executed a you know product first company in india you know their technology stack and just in general obviously we have a working relationship as well with them always had good experiences with them a and b always had you know positive things to hear about them from the rest of the community you know other companies i would say you know there's a recent app which i've been using quite a lot which is called uh, you know superhuman right it's this email app rahul vora exactly right i think he's a guy who i think is special right in terms of the clarity of vision that he has and the kind of product that he's created i know it's an extremely niche product right and probably not again aimed towards uh, you know millions and millions of gmail users right but i think that's what we need more of in the world right people really going out and solving problems you know which are unique problems right and nobody else is really caring about and solving them in a way which is you know fantastic right because i have been using that product now i think for 3 4 months and i can truly say that you know the clarity of thought execution and you know one thing i can tell you about after leaving that product is you know you very very clearly know who this product is for and who this product is not for and right they own that which is what you know i would love for a lot of companies to do where they have very clear clarity on you know the kind of product that they are creating and be okay with the fact that maybe this product is run for certain set of people and really optimize the product heavily towards who it is really for so that the product becomes the best version of itself for at least that cohort of your right. customers i think that's that's helpful mikhail and uh, you know we've had a great time chatting with you today and before we leave you know uh, any final thoughts for current and aspiring uh, entrepreneurs who are listening to this you know i would just say two things one is you know everybody should pay a lot of care to you know you know their mental health at this point in time because in all of this you know startup world and especially the rush of it and the thrill of it and you know the amount of effort that people put in that is something which you know is very important and key like you need to care for your mental well being and just uh, have a good journey when you're doing all of this stuff you know don't take life extremely seriously to the point where it takes a huge toll on you and secondly you know in terms of entrepreneurship i would say that though the whole ecosystem may look little bit in a chaotic situation with you know a lot of uncertainties out there take this as an opportunity the positive way to look at this is you know whenever you start something now probably the competition in that space 
is going to be three or four times lesser than you know it would in a normal environment right yeah so if you're truly passionate about something you know just put your head down do it for the love of the game right and the advantage that you will have today is that you will have significantly lesser competition than any other time for starting something in that particular space and this head start would really come in good stead when the good times will come and you know as history teaches us one thing right good times always come after bad times right so uh, it's inevitable great great mikhail i think it's been an incredible uh, you know session for us very insightful as well so thank you so much for being on the show today and hopefully we'll have you back sometime soon again absolutely my pleasure thank you so much Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the VC Bruno podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please let our guests know about it. Share your thoughts on social media and let them know what were your key takeaways. We would truly appreciate if you could subscribe to our podcast on the podcast platform of your choice and leave us a review on Apple iTunes. This will help others discover the podcast. To get insights and to learn more about startups and venture capital, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We will love to hear from you there. You can find all episodes together on our website thevcpreneur.com. We will be back again next week with another VC preneur that is making a dent in the venture universe. Until then, take care and keep shining.